Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fanlist podcast. We're near the finishing line, the finishing tape of the Rome Masters. The stage is set and we've got arguably the best two players in the world, 33 and 34 years old, Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal. We've got a little while to go until we reach that pedigree, don't we, Michael? You know, about 13 years younger than the, this this pair of players, but, um, you know, still feeling quite veteran as, as we move on through the season. This is our 30th, 30th episode of, of this season, I believe. And, um, yeah, we're looking forward to really the clay court season heightening, aren't we? Yeah, for sure. You said the, uh, the two best players in the world. I think I'm going to lose a lot of Roger fans early on here, but I would I would argue the two best players of all time uh, playing in the Rome final uh, tomorrow. Really excited about this one. Um, they've played uh, quite a few times at Rome before we came out with that mental statistic last week that uh, we hadn't had a final at Rome without one of the two of them in since 20, uh, 2004. Um, that's absolutely crazy, and uh, yeah, just uh, any any time you watch these two play, uh, it never gets boring. It's always a treat, and uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting match. So uh, yeah, without further ado, I'll, uh, I'll 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 let you go on with it. As always, maybe a theme of these episodes, the self-promo seems still needs a little bit of work. I'm Marcus Ali hosting today, as I, as I should have mentioned, and Michael is Michael Gillett, of course, uh, fresh off the success and, and relief and the weight off his shoulders have submitted his, his dissertation today. So congratulations on, you know, getting that one out of the way, getting that getting that fired off, mate. Um, but yeah, just looking into this final initially, obviously we've had some amazing tennis in the last couple of days. I, th- I think the rain rain effect in Rome kind of intensified the, the build-up towards this final. Obviously Novak Djokovic playing two matches today, beating Stefanos Tsitsipas coming off uh, from, from being a set and a breakdown to, to win that match and then beating uh, Lorenzo Sonego, a player who's done incredibly well on home soil this week to win that match in three sets to set up this final I'm going to start with him. Nadal, I think, has had an easier pathway, debatably. Obviously, the Sitsipas match really stood out. I think I said at the start of the week that should the Djokovic Sitsipas uh, quarterfinal come to pass, it would be a really interesting match in terms of where we think their levels are going into the French Open. Sitsipas, of course, having such success in the sort of early knockings of this clay court season so far, of course, winning Monte Carlo, getting to the Barcelona final. And yeah, just really showing showing what he can produce on the clay course. And arguably, some people were saying that he, he was touted as the big, biggest threat to Rafael Nadal at the French Open, which, of course, comes comes uh, into action in about two weeks' time. It was an absolutely epic match, three sets. I mean, we've, we've said before multiple times, maybe, arguably, no one can dig deeper than Novak Djokovic, and he really did have, have to scrape to the bottom of that barrel again to come through in three sets. It really was an epic match, one of the... Best matches I've definitely seen at Masters 1000 level this season. Um, what did you make of it? It really was an incredible level of tennis that they produced, particularly today. Yeah, you know what? I'd actually go as far as saying it's probably the best quality match I've seen outside of a, a Grand Slam. I think, especially today, it was, you know, it, it was electric. It was absolutely crazy. The both both men were playing so well, and I think I. 
you know, you, you hear the sort of, um, there's sort of saying, neither man deserved to lose. Um, and that was very, very applicable to this match. Sitsipas, uh, I think it's one of the best I've seen him play. Yeah, he, I think late on he did miss a couple of shots that uh, he would have maybe made earlier on in the match. And um, But but you, you can't take it away from Djokovic at all. The, the, it's some of the best tennis I've seen from him on a, on a clay court, for sure. Um, it was uh, absolutely brilliant tennis um between the two of them the the three matches i've enjoyed the most this year have been all matches with Sitsipas in with nadal Sitsipas at the australian nadal Sitsipas in the barcelona final and now Djokovic Sitsipas. now what i would say about this match and um, it was played over two days of course um with the rain coming in perhaps a little bit bitter over our uh, predictions uh, contest with uh, you went for Djokovic. I sort of took a gamble and went for Sitsipas. I, I, I would say that uh, I think Sitsipas had it nailed on yesterday. He was a set and a breakup. Djokovic uh, wasn't playing the best tennis he could have, to be honest. Um, the, the levels between Djokovic yesterday and Djokovic today were monumental. They were huge. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't want to take it away from Djokovic at all but I, I what I would say is I do think if this match had finished yesterday as planned uh, since pass would have had it but you know it's the nature of tennis it happens uh, and and it's it's all part of the your mental toughness if you can come out again and uh, the next day and, and see it through and to be fair to since pass I, I think in a way he did you know he came out and I would say he even bettered his level that he was showing the first day but Djokovic was just uh, out of this world. I was sitting in uh, my university library trying to finish uh, my dissertation off and uh, I would have got the dissertation finished a lot sooner uh, if, if this match hadn't been on because I was pretty glued to it to be honest. Um, watching it and, and just wowed by the tennis to be honest. It was absolutely sensational and I do think despite the loss it's a pass, you know, and you don't say about many players at the French from Nadal being so dominant, but I, I honestly think Sitsipas has got a really good chance of, of doing something big at the French. I, I, I really do think. Yeah, I think at the age of 22, sometimes I try to look more at the performances more than the result. Uh, like the end scoreline, you know, Novak's uses experience. Even obviously winning that final set 6-5, he had to work so hard just to hold his own serve at 5-all to get it to 6-5. And then obviously he clinched that final game quite comfortably um, off of Tsitsipas's serve. But, you know, he made, he made him work so hard. And I think you speak about the entertainment value of Tsitsipas and how the three, arguably your three favourite games of the season have had him in. And I think I, I just love the confidence that he's playing with at the moment. Um, at 22 like there's so many shots he's so aggressive there's so many shots that he goes for I mean the backhand down the line particularly obviously like aesthetic value of a backhand down the line winner but he's going he's going for these backhand down the line winners that it's just sort of mid-rally and you're like why are you going for that it's such a risky shot but he's pulling it off more often than not and and it catches the likes of Djokovic by surprise because you have to when, when you're playing a, a player of such calibre mixing up your game can be such a important tactic just to spring a little yeah the, the sense of surprise can be so effective um so yeah I, I really do hope despite the result despite the loss obviously he lost to Casper Ruud last week I think that might have been down to a little bit of fatigue um but I do think that you know I, I do hope that despite the loss he carries on this confidence and this style of play just the aggression 
yeah, it's such courageous tennis coming from the Greek at the moment. Yeah, one thing I was just going to say on uh, Sitsipas, I think it was Greg Grudeski on Prime who was pointing it out. Um, he said before the Djokovic match, he was asked in an interview what he would have to do to beat Djokovic. And whereas I think we see a lot of players like you sort of Dominic Team, your Alexander Zverev, um, you know, still very, very good players, um, of course. But the, the difference I think with Sitsipas is he answered this question by just saying, I just need to play the same as I have been this week. And that really shows from Sitsipas's point of view, he knows his game is already good enough to beat Djokovic, to beat Nadal. He's done it at the Australian Open, whereas, you know, perhaps Team and Zverev would have the sort of mindset that they need to raise their game to beat these guys. Sitsipas, his mindset is that I, do, I don't need to raise my game to beat these guys. I can beat them how I'm playing at the moment. And I think, to be fair, he would have beaten Djokovic today if it wasn't for one of the best Djokovic performances I've seen on the clay court and um, that for me just shows that the mental fortitude this guy has you know even if it isn't this year that sits past Winter Grand Slam I'm 100% more confident about him going on to win slams than than say other players that are coming up on the tour at the moment um, I, I think this guy's gonna do it all really and, and as you say you know 22 years old you know, I sometimes put him in a category with 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 a Dominic team. I, I think that perhaps we all do a little bit, just one of those players outside of a top three. But he's actually still so young since the past 22 years old. You know, you watch him and how is he how is he not older? Um he, he's the same age as us, um, which is is honestly crazy. Um so yeah, that's what I just tell Sitzpass. I think he has a massive mental edge over those other players rivaling him outside of the, the big three at the moment. It's interesting that you bring up that point about saying that he kind of backs his own game against the best players. Because I think we look at how Karatsev, a, a player who's just stormed his way through the rankings, beat uh, Novak Djokovic in Belgrade a few weeks ago. And in my view, th that man does not adapt his game for the opponent he just backs his eye he backs his arm he backs his skill he backs his power um and sits and passes probably more of a well-rounded player than Aslan Karatsev he's you know if, if he nails his, his power shots he hits a lot of winners and if he doesn't he hits a lot of unforced errors um whereas sits and passes has probably got a better tennis IQ than that but maybe in terms of tactics and not worrying too much about the opponent he was adopting that approach a little bit more against Djokovic and yeah arguably if if the rain did not come you know he could have walked out the victor in this one um so yeah that I think that's enough of us talking about Novak Djokovic and, and his path to the final obviously he's done very well to uh sort of grind his way past Lorenzo Sonego he's had an amazing week uh beating uh, Gael Monfils in the first round then Jean-Luc Magier and then probably most impressively, Dominic Team, followed by Andre Rublev. Just pure vibes to, to make his way to the semi-final. I don't really count Lorenzo Sonego as an amazing clay quarter, but in Rome, he's clearly enjoying it so much. And just the celebrations after he got that win against, against Rublev to, make, to set up the semi-final this evening was, was really electric. I, I think obviously missing seeing crowds in, in, in tennis maybe in, intensified that moment, but Sonego was absolutely loving the support that he was feeling in that match but on to Rafael Nadal obviously the other semi-finalist got through Yannick Sinner in his first match um, obviously it was in straight sets he got through him in straight sets in the in the French Open last year could be a 
a duel that we see um, as, as Sinner continues to progress his game, particularly on a clay court. But the, the third round match against Denis Shapovalov was a little bit of a tough one for the Canadian to take. He had two match points that he ended up hitting unforced errors on. And um, for me, I, you know, I, I hate accusing players of choking, but I do think Chapeau got very tense during this the, the last three points of, of that match. Um, I, I don't know what you've made of it. Obviously, I'd, Shapovalov's had a tough clay court season overall, losing to the likes of Corentin Mute in, in recent weeks. Um, so the chance to beat Nadal there would have been possibly the, the biggest of his career, but Nadal managed to fight his way back as he seems to do more often than, than maybe we'd expect him to do. That's why he's got 20, 20 grand slams. But um, yeah, what, what did you make of that match? It's obviously good for Shapovalov to push him that far in the first place, but to not get over the line must have been crushing, really. Yeah, I think, as you say, you, you never want to accuse players of bottling it against the likes of Nadal, especially on a clay court. But um, it did have that feel about it. You know, Nadal was not at the top of his game in that match. Um, it, uh, it, it's arguable he hasn't been on the top of his clay court game all year. Um, you know, obviously with the, the losses... Uh, in the last couple of weeks to Rublev and Zverev. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do think Shapovalov should have won this match um, to lose that second set and then go on to get a tie break in the third set. I think that shows great fortitude up to that point. The fact he's been able to bounce back and not let Nadal run away with it. I think Nadal might have gone a break ahead in that last set. Might be wrong on that. But, uh, you know, he, he did battle very well, Shapovalov. Um, but yeah. Two match points, as you say, unforced errors. I think he'll be losing a bit of sleep over that, to be honest. Um, it would have been a bit of a win out of nowhere with no discredit to Shapovalov. Uh, not really a player that I would rate as having much chance of beating the down on clay. And again, with no disrespect to him, I do think that if he did beat Shap oh, if he did beat the down on clay, the down must be having an off day because you know I, I don't think Shapovalov's game on clay is anywhere near good enough to beat. Uh, Rafa Nadal at the top of his game but but that said he, he I think he will be feeling a bit um, a bit what's the word uh, miffed about the result of this match because he really could have come away with it and now if he goes to see Nadal go on and get the title that might be a, a sort of bit of pill to swallow uh, just one thing I wanted to say on Lorenzo Senego who you talked about in, in your last piece um and I would agree with you, I, I never really rated him as a, a huge clay court player, but actually looking at his clay court season, uh, this season, he won in Calgary, um, in Monte Carlo, uh, just lost to Alexander Zverev, who of course went on to win the tournament. And now he's had this week where obviously beating Monfils, team, Rublev, Majer, um, you know, fantastic. And we talk a lot about young Italian players coming up. Of course, Sinner and Massetti. We've talked a little bit about Berrettini. Senego is only 26. You know, it's not um, it's not young, as you tell them at all, but it's certainly not old. It's sort of that sort of not middle ground. It's still on, on the on the right side of middle. And um, we saw Senego absolutely thrash Djokovic at the end of last year, which took everyone by surprise. Um, he's done brilliantly tonight. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the match. I was too busy watching the uh, the FA Cup final for this one. But um, he did save match points uh, against Djokovic uh, in the second set, um, and and then came back uh, and and came back to make it one all. But then lost the, the last set. But um, a, a great from Senegal. And um, 
I think, as, as I say, only 26. I don't know where his ceiling is, uh, so to speak. But um, if he can keep this up uh, and, and keep the performances up we've seen from him recently, I, I don't see why he can't have a chance of, of really pushing and maybe trying to get top 20. I, I, I don't know. I'm just looking at his ranking now. Um, but uh, I know he wouldn't have been top 20 before. And uh, I think at the way he's playing at the moment and the way he's playing, especially this clay court season, only beat it, uh, only losing to, um, to Alexander Zverev, um, ranked 33, Lorenzo Sinego. So uh, he's definitely going to be pushing up into that top 30 very soon, I, I would say. So, um, yeah, sorry, I've gone off on a big tangent here, so I'll pass it back. Yeah, he actually only turned 26 um, Tuesday, just gone. Uh, so, yeah, got plenty of time, time well on his side. I think, as you say, top 20, that was kind of what I was thinking in my head. That sounds like a very realistic aim for him. Um, yeah, Italy have just such a depth of talent in tennis at the moment. It really is, you know, I'm very envious of it. Obviously, we're excited about the names like Sinner and Massetti, but you've still got the likes of Berrettini, Sonego and Fabio Fonini still strutting their stuff at the top of the game. Uh, just going back onto Nadal, obviously I spoke about that Shapovalov match. I, I was a little bit surprised to see how routinely he got past Alexander Zverev in the round after that 6-3, 6-4. That, that to me is his best win of the tournament. He beat Riley Opelka in straight sets, of course, today. I mean, Opelka doesn't offer too much in terms of return games. So that was um, you know, a potential banana skin, but a good win to be able to get it done in straights. Um, you know, I'm looking for a prediction now. I think that Zverev win in straights really does make me feel a little bit more enthusiastic about Nadal's level than, to be honest, I've, I've seen with my own eyes. Um, so I, I am going to have to back Nadal. I think Djokovic two matches in a day and maybe, you know, it's not too, not too, not too favourable to see him come up against Nadal after the hectic day that he's had. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how both of them recover from the matches that they've had today and, uh, yeah, how they fare against each other tomorrow. Yeah, just very quickly, I did want to say something on Riley Opelka. Um, this tournament being very doing very well, his first four matches, Gasquet, Massetti, Karatsev and Delbonis, didn't drop his serve once in those matches. Um, and it might not be the most glamorous style of tennis, um, but honestly, this guy is... I was saying, I think, on our DMs the other week that I think John Isner is possibly the best server in the game. I'm I'm wondering if Opelka could be that, actually. You know, it's insane how he serves. And don't get me wrong, I know it's predominantly because he's seven foot or, or thereabouts, six foot 11, I think. But uh, it's it's actually crazy. And um, we've seen the likes of Isner, Query, doing very well at Wimbledon, where big servers are favoured, of course, with, with the grass courts. Um, you know, it jumps up and, and bounces off very quickly. And um, I just did a little bit of looking into Opelka's history at Wimbledon. He's only actually played once uh, in 2019. It's the only time he played at Wimbledon. Uh, he, he made the third round. He actually beat Stamravrinka in five sets in the second round before losing to Milos Rajnic, a player who, of course, has a lot of good form at Wimbledon. Uh, over the, the last, I don't know, seven or eight years, maybe, probably a little bit shorter than that when he last made the final. I, I don't know. But, um, well, the only time he made the final. But I watch Opelka's game and I actually wonder, you know, if this guy can perfect his serve, 
the damage that he could do at a tournament like Wimbledon is it could be catastrophic to, to some players. I, you know, it's it's not really what the fans would want to see. That's no disrespect to Opelka, but you know, I, it's not the way I think either of us want to see the game go. Um, but if this guy sorts out his serve and gets it perfect, turns up at a tournament like Wimbledon, he could he could do amazingly at it. I'm not going to say he could win it. Um, but uh, he he really he really could. We we saw Sam Query serve amazingly and knock out Djokovic um, what just five six years back. And Opelka, twenty three years old, uh, definitely watch this guy because if he gets more consistent on his serve, he could be uh, a, a big danger uh, purely through that shot. Going on to the final, Djokovic uh, Nadal. Um, I was just doing some digging into their history. Uh, it's 29-27 to Djokovic, uh, but it's 17-7 to Nadal on clay courts. It actually took Djokovic five years to beat Nadal on clay after their first meeting in 2006. Um, but Rome, interestingly, is probably the one place uh, where Djokovic has near and nearly matched Rafa. Um, they've met in five Rome finals. So actually, even though there hasn't been a Rome final without one of them in since 2004, they've only met five times in the final, meaning that mostly it's just one of them making the final. Uh, it's 3-2 to Rafa on the finals. Um, Djokovic has beaten him in straight sets before in the final, though, and it's a, it's a tournament that Djokovic, I think, has won five times, Nadal nine. Um so, you know, as it goes with, with the stats on clay, uh, Nadal normally dominating them, but this is the sort of the one clay court tournament where Djokovic really has enjoyed his success. And actually, in terms of a prediction, um, I'm going to go three sets. And I'm, I always feel a little bit dangerous going against Nadal on clay, but... No, I don't know. With two matches today, he's played a lot of tennis today. Even though it was just one set against Sitsipas, uh, it was a it was a long. I know it was it was one of them. Bit actually. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Nadal and free. I'm gonna bottle going for Djokovic. I'm gonna go Nadal and free. But I, I think it could be a really good match. Yeah, fair play. I'm actually gonna go for Nadal in two. Um, I think. Djokovic might have some nightmares from the Roland Garros final of last year when Nadal really wiped the floor with him. And I think if you can get ahead early, I can just see the procession being a little bit too much for Novak. And maybe with these two, obviously at 33-34, looking at their recovery from a hectic week with two weeks between um, sort of tomorrow and Roland Garros starting, I think. Maybe if Djokovic goes and setting a breakdown again, the fight back might not be as as courageous or as effective um, uh, against Nadal. Just on, on what you said about Opelka, obviously the big servers, yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on in, at Wimbledon and in, in the whole tour, really. I think whether we like his style or not at 23 years old and having seen what the likes of Kevin Anderson and John Isner have done in recent years, we've definitely got to use, get used to seeing Riley Opelka at the closing exchanges of tournaments. I think another player you mentioned, Query, beating Djokovic at, at Wimbledon. Gilles Muller, of course, had some good success and beat Rafael Nadal at, at Wimbledon. Not so one-dimensional in his, in his style, but certainly a player where his serve was comfortably his best shot. 
So, yeah, I, I think that's a perfect point to bring up, really, in the lead up to the grass court season that, yeah, big servers of Wimbledon and definitely, yeah, Riley O'Pelka, the courts um, could really suit him there. Just one more player to mention in terms of honourable mentions in uh, Rome, and that's Federico Delbonis, who's actually up to 64 in the rankings. He's crept up on me a little bit there. He was in the late 70s last time I checked. So 64 after a few good weeks on the clay court seasons is decent for the 30-year-old. He beat Karen Hatchinov, David Goffin and Felix Auger-Aliassime uh, in Rome this week. Three matches that he came in as outsider for. So three upsets, really. I, I mean, the, the Hatchinov win didn't surprise me too much. The Russian has struggled a little this year. But I didn't expect him to get past uh, David Goffin and, of course, Felix Auger-Aliassim, who, of course, beat Diego Schwartzman uh, this week. So, yeah, some really impressive wins for the Argentinian. And, um, yeah, definitely a, a banana skin to, to flag up moving into the next few weeks. Yeah, fantastic week for Delbonis. Actually came through qualifying and uh, was a set down to Francis Tiafo in qualifying. Had to fight back to win that match. Um, but, yeah, as you say, coming in against... Four players all ranked higher than him, beating three of them. Uh, and then Opelka, you know, when he's serving as well as he is, it's you know, it's a bit of a no-hoper for a player like Delbonis. Uh, with, with no disrespect to him, but when Opelka's just going to serve like that, uh, you can't really give Delbonis much of a chance. I did actually watch that match. I was um, doing referencing the dissertation with that on the TV. I was more just waiting for uh, Nadal and Djokovic's matches, uh, kind of hoping that Delbonis Opelka didn't last too long. Um, but yeah, no, he's had a fantastic week. And as you say, 64 in the rankings. I'm assuming that after this week, he'll move up a fair bit. You'd probably think uh, early 50s, uh, possibly, maybe top 50. I, I'm not great on sort of ranking points and, and how quickly sort of players go up straight away um, based on what points they get. But, um, you know, it has been a really impressive clay court season from Delbonis and, as you say, a potential banana skin for players in the tournaments to come over the clay court season. I'm not sure if he's playing next week. I've only seen the Geneva draw so far. I haven't seen the Leon draw. But uh, definitely at these smaller clay court events, um, always a threat to to go on and possibly even win the title, uh, Del Monis. And uh, of course, at the French Open, if he gets one of those seeded players that's a bit more comfortable on a grass court, um, you could definitely see him doing well. So yeah, really big kudos to the 30-year-old. The uh, he's a real grinder, to be fair. He's been on a tour a long time, sort of fluctuating around those sorts of 40, 50, 60, 70 marks in the rankings, playing regularly on the clay courts. And uh, yeah, nice to see him uh, getting some some good results. And uh, one thing I noticed uh, watching him yesterday, I've, I've watched a bit of him play, but I've, just a quick note, I've never seen someone, I've, the commentators were commenting on this, I've never seen someone throw the ball so high when they serve. He, he throws, it, it looks like it's going to go out the stadium. Um, and really bends his knee back. It, it looks like one of the most awkward serves I've ever seen. But he, he's also quite effective with it. He's, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I call him a big server, but um, he's he's one of those players who may, maybe isn't a big server, but does rely on their server a bit on a clay court. And um, yeah, for just it, it's crazy. The guy the guy throws the ball so high. So um, yeah, I've spoken enough about Del Bonis now. So uh, I'll, I'll hand it back to you. 
his ball toss is, is really, really peculiar. Um, yeah, it is really is something to see. I think rankings-wise, next week we may be looking mid-50, mid to early 50s, which, of course, is a great achievement for a player who sort of plays the circuits that he does. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't expect him to break top 50 with, with that run, but possibly push it and, uh, yeah, be a run away possibly next week from, from breaking into that top 50. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that concludes our verdict on, on the Rome Masters for now. Obviously, really looking forward to that final tomorrow. I do think um, Nadal has the upper hand. We've, we've both gone for Nadal, but I think Djokovic should put up a fight, showed such courage and, and, and uh, resolve today in those matches. So I'm sure it will be a good one. Uh, just one last note to end on, and that's the, the British prospect. Well, not prospect anymore at 33, 34. But Andy Murray is pulled out of the French Open after a pretty non-existent clay court season. Um, I can't really remember the last tournament we saw him in on the ATP Tour. Maybe Rotterdam. I think lost to Andre Rublev. That's, that's the main one that sticks in my mind. But uh, in 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 attempting to focus more on the grass court season, which of course he'll get a lot more coverage and have more chances to get things like wild cards moving on to the British grass court season in the in the summer months has decided to pull out of the French Open to focus on that. To be honest, having seen how he got hammered by Stan, Stanislas Varenka at, at last year's French Open, I'm not too disappointed to hear of this news. And yeah, I do think Murray is definitely more suited to events outside of the clay court circuit. Um, what's your immediate reaction? Yeah, I think I'd say it, it's a shame to see. You know, you don't know how many times he can play these tournaments again with, with his fitness issues. Um, but as you say, you know, if he can preserve himself for Wimbledon and, and have a better Wimbledon as a result of this, then that's a win for him uh, and he won't regret it at all. He actually played doubles this week in Rome uh, with Liam Brody, uh, one of our one of our favourite British players who's having a very good year himself um, and they won their first match winning 10-6 in the super tie break went out to the eighth seeds uh, in the second round but yeah I think Murray just uh, he's been hitting with uh, Djokovic actually out on court this week uh, the two of them good friends and they uh, arranged some practice and I think uh, Murray just feeling that something's not quite right and it's, it is worrying, don't get me wrong, we've spoken about it before. Um, it's like any time he plays now, that it always seems like there's something. Like I can't actually remember the last time I watched him play and then not be an injury fear. There's, he's always talking about something up and, and, and something prohibiting him. And, and with fans at Wimbledon this year, uh, he'll really be putting a priority on that because, you know, he, uh, you don't want to tempt... I, I don't want to sort of doom him and say it's going to be his last Wimbledon because you know he's, he's not that old um, but um, of course you never know when it is going to be the last time that Andy Murray gets to play a tournament because of the injury issues he's going through and if he can come out at Wimbledon um, presumably he'd be able to come out on centre court uh, whoever he's playing um, and if it was his last time out because of his fitness issues then um, you know it will be nice for him so uh, you know hopefully in the long run Pulling out the French Open is a good thing to do, um, but of course it's a shame. Um, I, as like you say, I wasn't expecting him to go on a run or anything at the French Open, um, unless he got Benoit Pair in the first round. But um, yeah, uh, other than 
that, you know, hopefully he can go on and, and play Wimbledon at least. You know, it's always a bit touch and go. You never know. But hopefully we can we can see him at Wimbledon and presumably a couple of the tournaments before. I think he is planning on playing it uh, a couple of Yeah, Ben Watt's pair possibly not in the best headspace at the moment for tennis, judging by his lost streak uh, that he's in at the, on at the moment. But yeah, I, I completely agree, to be honest, I think. Yeah, if Andy Murray does perform better, whether that be on the doubles court or the singles court during the grass court season, I think he'll definitely look back on this as the right decision in terms of pulling out of the French. I actually meant to say uh, Adrian Manorino, but uh, Benoit Pair also another one in that boat. So, you know, there's two men that he might have beaten at the French Open. You never know. I'm sure he'd like that little prize money bump up and definitely some decent ranking points if he was able to get through a first round at Roland Garros. But it's not to be this year. Uh, Andy Murray will not be seen on those lovely courts in Paris. Um, but yeah, we, we look forward to seeing more from him as we build towards a grass court season, obviously, over here in our uh, in our homeland of England. Um, I think that brings this episode to a close. Um, we'll be back uh, to react to the final and to preview Geneva and Leon at the start of next week. Uh, I've been Marcus Ali. Um, thanks a lot for joining me, Michael. Thank you very much. This dissertation is done. Uh, I've been sitting here sipping my Henry Westons and talking about the tennis. Uh, life is very good at the moment, so thank you very much for listening. Sounds like a perfect Saturday night to me. Enjoy the final, everyone, and we'll be back next week.